Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your host, Ben Husson, and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 41, Sports, Clicks, and Politics. Thank you all for joining us on a St. Patrick's Day week, uh, episode 41, March 15th, uh, 2021. Mr. Husong, thank you for joining us. Always my pleasure. You look Irish. I am, a little. It was at the red hair or the freckles that gave it away. I don't know. Or this deep tan that I'm yeah, always rocking. Our, we share a similar complexion that way, so <laughs> I like to say I'm clear. Yeah, I'm, I'm bordering on invisible. Like that's that that's how light skinned I am at this yeah, point. Yeah, pretty much. So this is also about the uh, I don't know about now. I'm just thinking about this about the year time where about a year ago where I was kind of remember walking my dogs thinking, okay, this is it. Like we're we're shutting down. This is going to be the time. Like it was kind of right as they they shut down our parade here locally, and then all the uh, St. Patrick's Day festivities kind of came to a screeching halt here. So about a year ago, yeah, all this stuff came kind of just bubbling up right here at hometown. Yeah, I, this time last year, um, I was at a parade day party for a parade that didn't happen. Um, but I still had fun at the party. It was a good time. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you know, I don't think anybody could have imagined a year later this is where we'd be and have been accurate about it. So um, we also have it's March. We talk about March Madness. So we're going to get into that a little bit. Exciting. Yeah. The hometown, the hometown, Syracuse Orange got in. They're dancing illegally in New York. We're dancing. We're going to check on where's Biden? Your boy. I mean. Nobody's seen him. It's, or we've seen, we've seen him, but there's been no uh, no uh, give or take with the press, no press conference, no questions. I mean, listen, I remember Jim Acosta doing a count of like, it's been 14 days, it's been 72 days since Donald Trump did a press conference in the press briefing room. But he would do them outside all the time, and obviously he was always going back and forth with the media. You know, they seem less concerned now that Joe Biden is not doing anything to having to do with yeah. The media. That seems a little weird. And then obviously we're going to get into uh, the talk of all New York. And uh, I think it's kind of, I don't know if it's taken over the country like uh, it is here in New York, but it looks like uh, your governor is going to get impeached or at least they're, uh, they're investigating. What do you I'm, think? I'm still skeptical that it's going to turn into anything. I am. You, so we'll get into this more, but do you think they're, I mean, obviously they've opened the investigation into the impeachment. Do you think that there will actually be an impeachment process, uh, at least the, the where, where we get to a point where there's an assembly vote? Um, Yeah, I think you could get to that okay. point. Well, we'll talk about a little bit more of that because there's, again, we're, we'll talk about that more. Um, obviously he has multiple investigations going on. We're up to seven now in the harassment, uh, category, uh, of allegations. And he's still got the ongoing, uh, nursing home cover up, uh, with the numbers there. So both of those things are being investigated by the, uh, New York state, uh, judiciary committee, I believe. So we're going to touch on problems. that. <laughs> What's that? The man's got problems. He's got some, he's got some things. Um, and then we had Bitcoin. You guys can see above my head here is now I think we're around fifty six thousand. But we uh, touched new all time highs sixty one seven eight eight I think on Coinbase. So uh, new all time highs for the uh, the crypto gold craziness. Exciting stuff, man. And then we also had GameStop kind of made a resurgence too over the week. Uh, yeah. We had some stuff where it got up. To, I think it got up to above its actually closing day highs. Like it was at three forty seven something, but yeah, at least right it was over three hundred for a while. Um, that also that also kind of came a little bit crashing down this morning, uh, down to about 251. Here, I'll flip. Uh, yeah, there you go, 251. Um, Coinciding but- with that last week when GM, uh, yeah, when GameStop made that big run, AMC went on a similar run, and then literally at the identical time, they both fell off a cliff simultaneously and just started dropping. And if you're... Well, because there was this merger where they're going to start playing video games in the theaters, but then that fell apart, so they both crashed. I think. Oh, I mean, listen, I think <laughs> if you think that that's really what caused that big of a, ca- a crash, I'm, I'm not sure what to tell you because you don't see that in stocks. Like, yeah, no. Where they two stocks that just happen to be so closely related take like identical a- curves on the way down based on retail investors finding out news about mergers and stuff. Like, I. I'm sorry, I'm just skeptical. Yeah. So we'll get into that a little bit. Um, and then we're going to touch on something we haven't really touched on here, uh, not in depth anyway. Maybe we even talked about it a little bit because I may have entered uh, or mentioned NBA Top Shot. But we're going to talk about non-fungible tokens. Uh, this is kind of a crazy new, uh, 
uh, finance space. I don't know. It's a, a space that's kind of invaded collectors and such. So we're going to touch on that, kind of describe that what is, and and talk about some uh, some ways it's being used uh, in the collectible space and how it could be used in future finance. So, but let's talk where we touched a little bit here. Um, but before we get into uh, topic one, because I'm going to forget, you guys should all like and subscribe and share the show right now, um, please. All right. It's it helps the show. Easy. It helps us. It helps us get the 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 the, the exposure that we need. Uh, it does it helps uh, promote us. It's free, and we yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, it's very much appreciated. So, all right. So let's <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about March Madness. Um, okay. What do we got? I, I, I for full disclosure, I have not watched a lot of basketball. I haven't watched anything outside of some SU basketball games. So my my exposure is very limited. I did see it was kind of an eclectic uh, group of uh, number one seeds: Gonzaga and Baylor. And then Michigan and Illinois, I think, were the other two. But um, so that that makes it interesting. And obviously, we get our hometown Syracuse Orange got in, uh, so they're dancing, even though they're not allowed here in their hometown state. It's it's just a weird year for basketball. Like I can't get into it. I, I keep meaning to, and like, yeah, I got to check this out. And then it's like, uh, I got other stuff to do. We'll get there. Yeah, and I feel like uh, correct me if you think if you know I'm wrong. I think they playing the whole thing in Indiana. I think the whole uh, thing yeah, is I Indiana. That's right. Um, I don't know if they're having multiple sites within Indiana, but I think like the majority of it's going to be played um, wherever the Colts play. Right? Okay, that's definitely where the Final Four is. I think yeah. so. Um, it's good for them. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, that'd be great. I mean, Indiana's a great basketball town, and sure. you know, Syracuse getting in is great for our city. Uh, we are definitely a basketball town, uh, so most people are happy. Uh, we get we get to wait all the way until Friday, so we get to survive the first day of the bracket. Heck yeah, we do. We, uh, do you know what time the game is on Friday? I saw. Uh, it's, no, I can look it up though. I didn't see it, so I, I <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know if they're playing. If they're if they're not the first game out of the shoot, sometimes those games can be a little bit fluctuating. But <clears throat> excuse me, they will play Friday. Uh, San Diego State. Uh, I think we're a three point underdog. I mean, but we're uh, dancing. We're eleven seed, right? Eleven seed versus the uh, six seed San Diego State. I think is what we are. That is correct. Actually, I probably could just pull this up since I have it here. But yeah, I think yeah, I'm right. You got me over here on a phone trying to do it. You have the whole computer in front of you. But yeah, yeah let's make me do it. That's cool. Well, you know, you're multi talented, Mister Hughesong. I'm not even singularly talented. We mean multi talented. But so this is like I said. I I, I don't have any kind of uh, massive predictions. Uh, I'm sure I'll join a a a, a March Madness pool and whatnot and, and and lose my five dollars but it'll be fun um okay attention and obviously we'll keep uh rooting for syracuse and if they move we'll keep uh moving along the brackets with those guys uh and if mr Husong finds a time in that game 9 40 p.m oh so it's gonna be we're more likely probably be closer to 10 because uh, some of those games almost always run late so oh, for sure so we'll be in the tournament all the way until almost the we'll be like the round of 33 we'll actually be almost yeah. in, the, in the end that's great yeah that'll be good um we just I, listen, I I think Syracuse has they have skill, they have talent. They have it's, coach right who's been there. I'm not. Yeah, they have a coach who's been there, and it's it, every game I have watched this year. It just seems like you guys just don't. It doesn't work for whatever reason. It's and it's. I think they live and die by the three pointer. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, if they can, if if the zone can this. Affect some people that usually tends to be a thing in the tournament. People are not used to seeing that, so if that can be deployed at certain times and against certain teams, and maybe that can help. And I said, if they if they get hot from three, then you know they get hot from three and they can compete with anybody probably at that point. Hey Sean, what time do bars close in New York State? Uh, right now eleven, I think. Is it? Yeah, they moved it to eleven. Okay, so game starts at ten. Oh on yeah, Friday night. Well, do you think the goal? The do you think? Governor has uh, aware of the uh, time conflict with his laws and uh, the start the tip off time for the uh, SU basketball game. Do you think it'll take another accuser to get him to lift the curfew to midnight? I mean, I feel like maybe if not one, two should do. Maybe Jimmy B should give uh, the governor just a nudge. Hey, not for something. nothing. Yeah. I, again, we go back to this of starting on March nineteenth. Bars can now go up to seventy five percent capacity but not on March 17th, which is the largest business day of the year for the majority of bars, especially in this area. Um, We should have a COVID daylight savings time where we get an extra day and just celebrate on the 18th anyway. You got to do something because this is just mean. Like, if it was safe enough to do it on Friday, it's safe enough to do it on Wednesday. All right? Like, this is insanity. Stop doing this to people. And now, instead, on 19th, which it will be 75% capacity, that's good, but... Again, if we have to shut down at 11, the game's realistically not going to start until 10. What do we... 
are you going to bother going to a bar to watch the game? No. Right. No. So I don't think what, kick again, me out of halftime. what should be such a huge moneymaker for these businesses that have just been. Well, maybe we should start a Twitter campaign, Mr. Husong. I don't know how to do that, but I am in. All right. Well, maybe I'll tweet at you later. Cool. Did you see my shirt? I'm very festive. I did see your shirt. This is the, uh, the historic and famous upside down uh, streetlight here at Tipperary Hill, the Irish uh, center of Syracuse, New York. That's right. Right outside of uh, Coleman's, I believe. Yeah. Uh, you want to know how petty Irish people are? We didn't like that the red light of the British was on top of the green light of the Irish. So we used to throw rocks at the traffic light and break the red light so often that finally the city gave up and just put the green light on they top. They flipped it. That, and that happened a Go very Irish. long... I say we like I was there. My grandfather actually was one of the stone throwers. <laughs> but that's how petty Irish people are. We decided this was such an important issue that we couldn't have like every other traffic light in the country because it was unacceptable that the red of the British was on top of the green of the Irish in this very Irish town, in this area very Irish section of town called Tipperary Hill. Yeah, and you can get, you can get this shirt from Jeff Allen Artwork. He's a local artist here who uh, did this uh, design here. So uh, check out his stuff. He does a bunch of cool stuff. Um, let's talk about our president or the idea of him not uh, giving a real press conference uh, since he's since the inauguration, I believe. So how about like, all right, this is always like a touchy thing to, to talk about because people get very, very either defensive or offensive and aggressive whenever you talk about this. I don't know what's going on with Joe Biden. I've listened to the man talk, and I'm told that he's got a speech impediment, that he's had it forever, he has a stutter, and this is how his coping mechanisms. But I heard the man talk for a long time in his career in politics, and he's never sounded like this, ever. He always sounded, even if he did stutter on occasion, he was in command, he spoke quickly, He was, and he was a pretty good speaker, actually. I would have never believed that he had had a stutter because he had done a really good job. Okay, he's got a stutter, and that's what's causing a lot of this. Fine. He's forgetting people's names. He forgot the name of the Department of Defense. He forgot the title of the Secretary of the Department of Defense. Okay, they happen, and he's not a young man. Like, fine, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to say anything. He hasn't had a press conference where he actually has to get asked questions yet, and it's been 50 days. It's just, it's not, it's not ordinary. It's very unusual for a president to do this and for people to just be okay with that of like, wait, 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 you have a responsibility. You need to be held accountable. The press is allowed and encouraged and required to ask you questions and check on what you're doing. And at the same time, the one yeah, they've, they've been he's been doing stuff too, right? It's not like he's been sitting God. idly, right? So like no, there should have been executive orders. Right, so. We're getting all this stuff out. So the, the the need is there. I think some questions are 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 deserving. And it, listen, love him or hate him, like him or dislike him, it is the most executive orders we've seen this early in a presidency ever, and and not by a little. So even if you agree with all the executive orders, that's fine. We, we still should be able to ask the president about them as he's signing them into law. And then did you see the one where he was on the computer screen and then he said and he looked around and he goes, so I guess I'll take some questions. Is that what I'm supposed to do? And they cut the feed. It went black. Like, guys, it's like, weird. What is going on? That's weird. I don't, I, I'm not here to tell you it's one way or another. That is unsettling of like he apparently, depending on how you want to look at it, like, okay, if you're a big Biden supporter, he was open to taking it, but then they had technical difficulties and it, it cut out. Mm-hmm. Convenient. Right. Or the fact that he hasn't taken any questions whatsoever, that he's not doing press conferences where he's going to have any sort of adversarial uh, contact with the press. And the one time that he apparently just forgot that he wasn't supposed to ask for questions. When, so I was, am I supposed to ask for questions? And then all of a sudden he was gone. Just like that. If you're not a little bit concerned about this, I guess I don't understand. I'm not telling you like the guy is, uh, you know, it's Alzheimer's and he's being propped up by some cabal of Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi. Like, no, I think that's a little extreme, but it's still unsettling to me of like what I'm seeing out of our president. It, it looks uncomfortable when he's talking. It looks like this dude shouldn't be talking. Yeah, I, I mean, well, who I, to are, me, was, and like I said, call me whatever you want. I mean, it looks like almost like borderline elder abuse. Yeah, like somebody did say, one of the congressmen from the Republican side <laughs> did say, like, look, this is elder abuse. This is insane. Yeah, what are we doing? Like, this, like, you're propping this guy up. He is, and, and you keep hearing these hot mic moments of, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm signing. What, what did I just sign? I don't know what this is. Or turning around and looking around with the smile on his face of like, what do I do now? Yeah, and people and make it a big deal, too, like Saturday Night Live hasn't done uh, a Biden thing since December. Remember when Jim Carrey was doing Biden? So that's uh, kind of gone away. And so I don't know. It's just weird. Like, this is I, a weird confluence of events. 
yeah, like put it on your radar at least. And if you're really okay with it, fine. But if Donald Trump went 50 days without a press conference, I feel like people would have been a little bit concerned. They would have, they would have talked about how it was so ter- I mean, he just didn't do press conferences in the briefing room and Jim Acosta was going nuts, even though he was doing press gaggles at like outside of airplanes and everything else. And Donald Trump did have a very adversarial relationship with the press. And honestly, both sides were to blame for it. They, they both were unnecessarily childish to each other and then can't figure out how they got here. It's not a mystery, but I, lo- I loved it all. I thought it was hilarious <laughs> because it was, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not a fan of the president or the media, so it was just great. Yeah, like watching two people you don't like just beat each other up. Throw food at funny. each other. Yeah, it was great. I agree with that. And now it's, I just want to see, I want to know that Joe Biden is in control and command here because he doesn't, I've seen enough that I at least have doubts. Yeah. I'm not. No, I think that we should be, keep. I said, I think what you said is right. We should keep this on our radar and, uh, you know, whenever this happens, we should be reevaluating uh, whatever happens. And here's the other problem. Now. When and if he does do a press conference, it's like must watch TV. Like I would yeah. actually tune in because yeah. now it's it's on my radar. Do you know how many times I listened to President Trump talk to the media? Never intentionally. It was when it was on in the background because I just didn't care. I actually would tune in if Joe Biden was going to do a back and forth with the media. I would actually tune in because now I'm intrigued to say like, hmm, why have you gone almost two full months, all these executive orders, and why is the media not indignant? about the fact that they are not getting the opportunity to discuss this directly with you. And then you have a press secretary whose most famous and quoted line is, I'll have to circle back with you on that. For yeah, but she's been out there regularly, don't get me wrong. But. Sure, but not answering any questions. Like, I'll circle back with you is not an answer. I'm sorry, yeah. but it's not. And yeah. there are things that we should be asking about. What are we doing about the massive levels of children and other people trying to cross the border that are now filling up our detention centers on the southern border? That is a problem. We need an answer. We need to find out what in the world we are doing about this. Because right now, whatever we're doing, it's not working. We're overwhelming these things. We've got more kids in cages than we've ever had in the history of our country. We just don't call them cages anymore. But it's still cages. Like, this is this is nuts that we're not asking about this. Is it like face-off? Like, where they turn them into, what, John Travolta's? Is that what it is? <laughs> Who did they face them off? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I feel like they could have done better than whatever they did. Whatever, like, cages. They turned them off cages to, they call them something else now, right? Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. You. Who you're cares? Worst. One, I, I will say... One thing that Biden did get a chance to uh, comment on was he didn't uh, comment on whether or not he thought our governor should resign. He just just said uh, he's going to wait for the investigation and we should uh, do whatever that brings. So let's talk a little bit about uh, hey, So I found time to comment on there, I guess. Thank God. Um, let's talk a little bit about our governor and his uh, as the Cuomo turns here uh, Thursday, I think it was the New York State Assembly authorized an impeachment investigation. Um, again, I think we're up to seven harassment claims. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ball has been, the snowball has been made and, uh, laid down into the ground and we're going to see it get pushed and see how far it goes, I guess. Right. Sure. Um, I expect there to be a impeachment hearing, I guess. I don't know if they call it what they call it in assembly. Um, they call it a trial when they get to the Senate, uh, but I expect there to be, I mean, so let's, let's revert, let's go back a little bit and talk about, um, how it works. Right. Sure. So, um, I think this is probably important since we're going to play it. It's going to be somewhat political in a sense that, uh, you know, you have Republicans and Democrats voting and, uh, the governor is a, is a very powerful Democrat. Um, so let's talk about how, how the, impeachment works in uh, New York state here. So um, first of all, we have 150 members of the assembly. We need a simple majority of those 150 to reach an impeachment and send this to a trial. So the, a reminder to the people at home, impeachment just means you're officially charged with, with something. Right. With it's kind of like the, uh, like a grand jury, right? It, in a sense, yeah. It, it's like it's not, not exactly, but I mean, it gets, it's you're not convicted of anything. It just says, hey, this right. is there's enough information here that this should go to a trial. So the assembly, the New York State Assembly, which makes up of 150 people, determine whether or not there's enough evidence for this to go to a trial, which is made up of the New York State Senate um, and the uh, the appellate court, I believe, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you get the simple majority of the 150 
New York State Assemblyman, which I think makes up of 107 Democrats and 43 Republicans. Um, so I think, I mean, I'm assuming you're taking most of the Republicans, if not all of them. I think 41, actually. I think I saw one time we're on record of already. So if you're a Republican and voted against impeachment, you're nuts. Yeah. Well, I mean, or, or somebody wrote you some big checks, and then you're just yeah. checking out at that point. Yeah, but yeah like you're, you're, you're over. It's over either way, I guess. Yeah, your career is pretty much down. Unless- um, and so, but I think that there's upwards of 40 Democrats in the Assembly who have already called for that. So I think that if it gets to the level where they're going to try to impeach, I think it does move past the impeachment, and they do. I think they get an, a, a simple majority there. And the best part about New York, well, I don't know about the best part, but the unique part about New York is, uh, unlike in the federal election, if Governor Cuomo is impeached, he is suspended from office. Yep. So now, unlike the president, where if he was impeached, he still presides as president, right. and gets there, whatever, uh, we have a new governor, at least temporarily, or in, in name only, uh, Kathy Hochul, the lieutenant governor, would take over. Erie County native. Nice. Buffalo. And so, which is also weird. Maybe we can make some sense of this at, at some other point. Um, so Kathy Hochul is also the, technically the Senate leader of the New York State Senate. So she will call a trial and then have to recuse herself because she will then be the, not the governor and not be able to participate in the Senate voting. Um, so that would take uh, her vote away. And... Or she cannot, she's just recused herself. But also the Senate Majority Leader, um, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, would also, she becomes second in command to the Lieutenant Governor, and she would also have to recuse herself. She's actually a no vote. I mean, she's been saying that she should, he should resign and, and impeach anyway. So Cuomo gets a little bit of uh, a, a vote in his favor taken away because she can she has to recuse herself as well. So she becomes uh, second in command, not in name only Lieutenant governor somehow temporarily during this case um, whilst, while Cuomo was suspended. So she would, that moves the number from 70 to 69. Um, and it could move to 68 too, because the head judge of the court of appeals is uh, Janet D. I have her name here. Janet DeFiori. Um, she could recuse herself from voting as well. So she is, she makes up one of the seven members or seven, seven judges of the, uh, court of appeals, which is the court that will hear this, uh, uh, trial. They also make, they're added. Those seven judges are added to the 63 members of the New York state Senate, making up a total of 70 minus Andrew Stewart cousins and possibly minus Janet DeFiori, which means we need two thirds of their, maybe like 47 ish votes. That's that's going to be a tough ask, I think, in, in the New York State Senate. But there's a lot of moving parts there. Why would uh, Judge Janet? Be she doesn't have to. She, but why? Why would she? Because she, she's presiding over the case technically. I see. So she could. She, she. Most people have thought that she's going to just save her vote and vote only if it's needed, so that she would be a deciding vote. Um, background on that: all seven, including Janet DeFiore. All seven of the judges in the Court of Appeals were appointed by Andrew Cuomo. So he's been here, obviously, three and a half, whatever, whatever, two and a half terms, I guess, right. and uh, has been here long enough to appoint all those judges. So for whatever that's worth, just keep that in the back of your mind here. So all these seven Court of Appeals judges are appointed by Cuomo. We have 63 Eventually would be 62 uh, state senators because uh, Senate Majority Leader would have to recuse herself. Sure. Um, and that would leave us, I think, with 46 or 47, depending on what Judge DeFiorio um, or DeFiori wants to do with her vote. Um, I was assuming she keeps it, so that would make it 47. Um, I don't know. I think that's kind of like the, the machinations of it. Um, the one unique piece is the fact that governor has to step away and suspended you know, which, you know, for the length of the trial. So whenever, so there's a, I think a time frame of between 30 and 60 days of, of impeachment that the trial has to be uh, started. So, um, you know, we could be different governor here for a few months. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she'll lift some restrictions. I don't know. I'd like her to sign some election law differences. If that's, that's on a personal note, we're not going to go down that Av. but you know, she's not gonna, um, I don't know. So that's kind of the background of this whole impeachment thing. I think that's important kind of going forward. Kind of we have a uh, a working, uh, a groundwork for from which we're going to work and, and where these people. I, I do think that there's going to be enough votes. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think 
I think there's a chance that this really all happens and he's impeached. It'll be the first time since 1918 or 1913. 1913, I think it was. Really? The Tammany Hall. Tammany uh, Hall. The Democrats from Tammany Hall uh, uh, impeached, uh, I can't remember the governor's name. Big Bill. Silzer. Something like that. Yeah. So interesting times here in New York. Historic times, really. Um, I don't know. What, what do you have to say about your governor? I always... <laughs> Nothing that hasn't been said. Like, Will you find this impeachment more pertinent than the federal impeachment? More pertinent. I mean, because we're in New York. That's really pretty much I mean. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I obviously, we're all under the presidential, you know, we're all a, we're a part of a federal government, so the president matters, but we're in New sure. York here. So does it, more, does it matter more to you that it's your hometown executive, if you will, uh, than the presidential? I guess so, but not, not by much. And I think that... My issue with the the first presidential impeachment was, all right, I actually agree that this is not how we should be conducting foreign business, but it's how we've been doing it for 40 years. Like This, this is not abnormal. Like, he released a transcript of the phone call. You could, see, you could see right in it. Now, if you read the media versions, it looked way worse than if you read the whole transcript and went, um... Yeah, no, this is this is exactly what Barack Obama did. This is what George W. Bush did. This is what Bill Clinton did. This is what George H.W. Bush did, Ronald Reagan, Richard Nixon, Jimmy Carter, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I wish it wasn't that way, but I'm not comfortable impeaching somebody over doing something that everyone else has done, and there was never even a whiff of impeachment over it. So that was my issue, but I kind of understood it. The second impeachment was just laughable to me. Of, you know, it was a joke when even the Supreme Court is looking at it and going, I'm not even showing up. Yeah. Like, I'm not coming. This is ridiculous. You're, you're trying to impeach a guy that's got eight days left in office. Like, this is dumb. There is no recourse for this. There is no crime involved. There's no high crime or misdemeanor. And if there was, then every person that's ever said anything supportive of a protest that then turns violent is now right. culpable for the same and we talked about for this one so that was in an effort to keep him from running for office again in right, the future, it backfired. right so so okay that's the same thing that happens in new york state though so cuomo would be barred from running for any state office but he could still run for president and he still could run for like i don't know mayor of his whatever town he lives in yeah well but he'd be barred from running from any state office that's i mean he should be and this my my thing on andrew cuomo is of Covering up data, which he knowingly did to avoid a federal investigation, is wrong. There, There is no... I'm having a hard time justifying that. I'm having a hard time looking at correlating examples that, that don't all conclude with, of course, this is corruption. Because he signed the order, he was trying to backpedal from the order, trying to hide from the order, had his Department of Health run a bogus investigation where they used faulty nursing home data that they knew was different to prove their own innocence and then blocked a foil request stalled out on that did everything they could do to not give the real data and then came out we're like well it's no big deal anyway if it's no big deal anyway why'd you do it if it's no big deal why didn't we you've had this data for months and let's not pretend like we're all stupid and don't know that you absolutely had this data months ago so i in my opinion andrew cuomo should absolutely be removed from office and i think that the sexual harassment stuff i i get and i don't if it was just the sexual harassment stuff i think i would be more inclined to say all right look let's look at each one let's go the full investigation go in how much of this is he said she said how much of this is uh an awkward attempt at a come on that went terribly wrong while still wrong i don't think is grounds for removal Okay, but it's going to be a little more nuanced. The nursing home thing to me is I don't know how anybody can defend this. I don't know how anybody can look at this and say, well, it's either no big deal or he did nothing wrong. He absolutely did. So I'm way more concerned about the nursing home stuff. I'm way more. That's way more on my radar. And maybe that's, you know, a shortcoming of mine as a human being. It's not that I mean to dismiss or belittle the sexual harassment allegations. It just seems that in the grand scheme of things, if you're comparing wrongs, the nursing home thing was way worse. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And like I said, I do think that the harassment allegations are getting way more attention. I'm guessing the people over at the uh, Greater New York Hospital Association are happy with that so that they're not having to uh, ask, ask questions about the nursing home uh, stuff. About and how they, they gave Andrew Cuomo a million dollars in a non-election year and then all of a sudden all got immunity. Yeah, like that doesn't concern you. Listen, yeah. you can hate Trump and still acknowledge this is wrong. 
And so if I, I want him to be removed for this because I think that that is justified, I wish we had a recall measure that we could do that through a vote, but you don't get to do this. If you are a public servant, and then, listen, some of this I admit I am fully biased because I have watched this man and his ego tear down our state for the last year and just destroy businesses and ruin lives and livelihoods and everything else all to satisfy his ego. It's it's insane. So I can't tell you with any sort of straight face that I am objective in this because I'm not because I, I genuinely have watched this happen. I've watched his team manipulate data, falsify data, and then hide data to support their narrative. I've watched him attack other states that have gotten better results and act as if somehow what they did was worse when in reality it was good. I watched Anthony Fauci come out and claim that Andrew Cuomo was the model for how to do it and then wouldn't comment when they pointed out that Andrew Cuomo was covering up nursing home deaths. Didn't want to comment at that time. Like, that stuff adds up to me because I'm watching this all happen and I'm going, this is insane. Like, this is absolutely, everything is a deflection, and it's somebody else's fault, and there is no responsibility taken. There is nothing happening like this. And it was blatantly corrupt. Uh, there, there's no other reason that you hide nursing home deaths other than you didn't want the order to come back on you and look bad. Yeah, and, there, and like I said, so there's there's an investigation into that from the Assembly Judiciary Committee, right? And they have subpoena power. They're, you know, they're, they're running multiple investigations. They're, um, I don't know if Tisha James... Uh, investigation is going to into the nursing homes. I, I know she's definitely uh, has appointed investigators who are looking into the sexual harassment allegations. I'm not sure if her investigation is going to nursing homes. She's doing one. I'm just not sure if one of she has a subpoena power in her nursing home investigation, but I know that the Assembly Judiciary Committee does, um, which means they can call witnesses and, uh, you know, maybe we can get some information here. It seems as though there's, you know, talking about Assemblyman Kim, um, there's others out there who are still pushing for the nursing home to stay uh, at center stage here, uh, not trying to be distracted or pushed aside or at least show equal reverence to the idea that uh, there's multiple problems here in this government administration. Um, and like I said, the, the guy, as you point out, the guy ran a dictatorship here for over a year now. Um, and everything, everything that he has done has been tied back to him. I know he likes to tie it back to the president, but everything that he has done, his hands are on everything that happened in New York state. Right. And not only that, like when even they said, well, we got to take away his emergency powers. All they did was take away his ability to make new ones. They didn't do anything. Like how many more restrictions could the guy have placed? We already have distancing limits, occupancy limits, masks all the time, children out of school, children wearing masks in school, which is just the dumbest thing imaginable of all of these things are here and they all cause problems, but we're not undoing any of those. And if I understand the way this, new law was written it took away the sunset provision where all these rules are supposed to expire one year after he took all these powers and now it doesn't now those rules can stay into effect again if they were having a positive impact at all i would debate with anybody that wants to about whether it was worth it or not because there is high cost to all of these rules they're not working we know this it's been a year we have data from all over the world none of it mattered so we're watching Andrew Cuomo and his ego run our state into the ground, disregard every every personal business, every personal freedom as if somehow you're selfish because you don't want to declare bankruptcy and run your business into the ground. I, I, that's crazy. So he's over here trying to lay guilt trips on everybody else. Like, and the whole time, he's knowingly covering up data so that he can make himself look better. And then on top of this, obviously, look, if, if it's some brand new piece of information to you that this dude's a creep, you just haven't been paying attention to New York politics. I'm sorry. Yeah. He, he's been a creep forever. And it's been kind of known. It's not like anybody should be just, well, I never saw it coming. Oh, my God. Who could have seen this coming? Yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, almost all of the Democrat leadership have called for him to resign. So, like, I, 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 you know, all the congressmen, the senators, I mean, everybody. There. They're all playing politics and, you know, oh, for it. sure. Like, it's very different to say, like, yeah, he should resign. But then when the camera's on you, you got to stand up in that house and say, do you vote so, to impeach? And so so here's my question coming from a uh, uh, viewer here. How do you think Rachel May and John Mannion are going to vote on the uh, impeachment? They're both serving as senators, so they'll be part of the trial. So I'm guessing. Maybe they wouldn't make a definitive statement here, even though I think I heard John Mannion thinking saw, he 
thought that their impeachment proceedings should occur or that he at least he thought she should resign. Um, so maybe they wouldn't commit to a conviction now because their data has or the evidence hasn't been you know, laid out for them in the trial to make a decision yet. But I think they're both open to it. I mean, obviously, Rachel May has, is trying to protect her ass because she's getting dragged down with this whole thing as being chair of the aging committee and never asking for a subpoena when she had the power to do so uh, from Howard Zucker for that nursing home information. So she's playing defense. So Rachel, I could see her, what's the point, May? Yeah. Yeah. I could see her voting yes uh, to your question. And I think John Mannion, <clears throat> uh, just from my personal experience um, with him, I don't think he, I mean, he's a, a, a rookie senator, if you will. Uh, so I don't think he has any kind of loyalties to our current governor. I think he has, you know, he wants to kind of go through the process the way he uh, would. I think he'll take it seriously. I, I, I think if the if the information is there, I don't think he has any loyalties to the governor who would keep him from voting to impeach anyway. I mean, I don't think it's loyalty to the governor. I think it's party. So I think that especially if you're a rookie senator in a, district that will likely be challenged in every race like the republicans aren't just going to concede that seat forever like they they lost this time around but they won the last time so they're probably going to run again they won every other time before that so there's two ways to look at this is number one john Mannion needs party support needs money needs people coming in so he doesn't want to upset the powers that be but the flip side of that is you come in obviously he's got teachers union behind him and other and other unions which are not necessarily the biggest fans of andrew cuomo You've got them at your back, and you've got a contentious seat. If you go and vote against Andrew Cuomo, you can make a pretty good claim that you're being impartial, that this is it is what it was. And I don't think it's a hugely risky move political just because of where his support comes from in the district that he serves, that if he were to vote to impeach and remove, is I think that is going to become more and more of a popular opinion among the population. Yeah, I but. Think so. I'm also fairly confident Andrew Cuomo has dirt on some very high-level people, and I hope to God if they do impeach and remove this man that he goes scorched earth and just releases everything. Like, you know what? Screw you guys. The more data, the better. Uh, let's get it out in the <laughs> open. Let's air some laundry. So, But I don't think that'll happen. So, I mean, I, I, I mean I've, I'm, <clears throat> I've never been more convinced that I think he's going to be impeached. Um, whether or not he's convicted in that Senate trial, you know, I, it's it's a it's a it's a hard high bar to, to get to that those forty seven votes, um, especially when you know I don't know like as you point out he's got close relationships with a lot of those senators and he's already hinted at the uh, uh, the uh, Jake Jacob uh, investigations here for some of these uh, state state politicians if they cross him so uh, I don't know it, it's it's going to be interesting it's going to be look what the know, man did to the Working Families Party just for running a candidate. Well, I mean, they're still there. He destroyed every other party yeah, trying to get send a message to them. Trust me, I know. That's amazing. And everybody just went, yeah, America's governor. Yeah. Like, this guy's awful. He's terrible. Oh, my God. There's so many bad, there's so many bad historic tweets out there from praising Cuomo that have come back to just, like, just that are hilarious now. Yeah. So. Right. It, it, again, <clears throat> we've made this point. I, I made it last week. He is Donald Trump. Yeah. Just with and, but the thing was, is everybody wanted him, painted him out to be the anti-Donald Trump, right? right? And he was actually just everything that they painted Donald Trump to be is actually Andrew right. Cuomo. He's he's Donald Trump, but when the chips were down, and this is one thing I will always give Donald Trump credit for, he could have assumed whatever power he wanted when COVID hit, and he didn't do it. And I will give him all the credit in the world for that because I think he deserves it. Yeah, I will. As Andrew well. Cuomo went the exact opposite direction. Yeah. And now you say what you want, like. You want to blame Trump for every death, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you're not following the actual science then. And not for nothing, when Donald Trump did shut things down, it, he was painted as a racist and a xenophobe for doing it. Like, you don't get to have it both ways. I, I You had the opportunity to seize a whole ton of power. And these guys who are basically the same human being, egomaniac, bordering on sociopathic, long history of sexual harassment and disrespect towards women, like there's a lot of correlations you could draw. New York politics, questionable ethics. But when this situation happened, one of them turned and said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to let you guys go. And one said, sign this law, give me all the power, and I'm going to make it work. So... I, listen, in that case, yeah, no, I think the point goes to Donald Trump. And I think Andrew Cuomo, then this is exactly why you don't give one person that much power. Because yeah. it's exactly what happened here. We did all of this. We did more heavy restrictions than anywhere else in the country. And we still got near the worst results of any of any state. 
It's not an accident, no. all right? It's not a coincidence. It's because we did this as and we're, dumb and as like you said, can do. Our, our state, the damage in our state is going to be generations, so... I, I, I mean, don't know. Listen, na- nationwide, I don't know how we ever recover from this. Yeah. It's I mean, this, so far gone. You know, and the, the thing that's coming, you know, kind of frothy now is all these uh, back rents that have been due, and it's 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 going to be it's going to be bad. It's great to have a, like if I told you like all right, eviction moratorium. That sounds good. We don't want people kicked out in the street because they can't pay rent because you've you've forced them out of work for however long. At the same time, you've also been giving them enhanced unemployment and paying them more money, so I'm not 100% sure why we needed that. That that seems a little odd to me, but okay, fine. The second part is, though, okay, well, the person who owns that property, uh, do they get to waive their taxes? No, they don't. They still owe the taxes. If there's something goes wrong in the property, they still have to fix it? Do they still have to pay if they had a mortgage on it? They have to make that payment still, right? So now you've taken what was an investment that was generating some level of profit for this person, therefore incentivizing them to do it. You've stuck them with all the expenses and prohibited them from their only recourse in the event that the profit stops. For months. For months and months and months. How do you think this ends? Listen, you can have the biggest heart in the world and want nobody to ever suffer any pain, but you have to understand the basic laws of economics of you can't do this. If this happens... You are in so much I think, trouble. I think there's this misconception that landlords are all these like independently wealthy people and they just have all this property, but that's not what's majority of no. them are. They're just they're they're side income for regular families. So right. and they're not scumbags. They're not right. trying to gouge and kick people out there, but they need to make money at right. it. It's right. not a charity. It is a business. You do it to generate additional income, not to incur additional outflows. Yeah. So the thing things like that are gonna, you know, become more more and more uh, you know, in, in the light, if you will, as, as this thing's kind of reopen here. So the idea that there will be no repercussions from this is crazy. It's terrible. Like so. it's just, it's willful ignorance. You know that there will be, you know that, the, and it's just a matter of what, but there absolutely will be. And what is the government going to do? Just print more money and send it out. How long can a government do that? It's not forever. This is not indefinite. If you, if that was the answer, why would any of us need to pay taxes? Yeah. Why yeah. can't we just print the money to go yeah. pay all the bills? No, yeah, that's, I've seen that. Uh, sentiment kind of uh, portrayed a little bit here. Like, what are we doing? If we're just can print everything, the, what, what are we collecting for? So, right. I, like, it's... It, the, you know, the people who love printing money? Bitcoiners. <laughs> Bitcoiners love printing of the money. I mean, I don't blame them. So we're... We'll touch on this real quickly because we touched on a little bit when, we, when they started here. But we got a new all-time highs from Bitcoin uh, over the last couple of days here, 61,788. Uh, we're still floating here about 56,000. So it's come down about 5,000 since then. Um, I don't know, you know, it, it kind of went up right as they signed that stimulus bill, 1.9 trillion, I think it was. So it kind of run up there. I don't know if that's a sell the news kind of uh pump there, but, uh, the more money they keep printing, the more Bitcoin keeps going up. I, I own something like I can't that's say that. anything. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, I don't, <laughs> I'm not an economist. I'm not a genius. I'm not like this overly smart guy. But I understand. I've read some history, and I keep looking at this and going, guys, you just can't print money. Like, that's not the answer. You can't do it. We've tried this before. It's never, ever, 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 ever gone well. Not once. Because this worked. All it is is a stall. And it just delays the inevitable consequences because this is part of a free market capitalist society, which we no longer have. You have to be able to profit when you do well, and you have to be able to suffer the losses when you do poorly. That's the only way the system works. And we're not doing that right now. We've privatized profits and socialized losses. And now to make up for that, of course, we don't have the money to bail all these people out. We just don't. I wish we did. We don't. So instead, we're just creating it. And it's like anything else. If you create more of something, its intrinsic value decreases. I, I don't understand how this is not widely known and accepted as if we have this arrogance. Don't teach it. We have this arrogance that we can just do whatever we want and manipulate whatever we want with no consequences. It is not borne out by history. We are not smarter than every previous generation that ever came before us. I'm sorry. The average person walking around right now is not smarter than Adam Smith was. I, it just is. It's an imperfect I mean, system. he probably couldn't use an iPhone. That's... <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I guess you're right. And that's my fear of, of all of this is, you know, we don't want anybody to suffer, and I don't want anybody to suffer either. It's a, 
if you keep spending money you don't have and people keep expecting that the government will step in and save the day when things go wrong and you keep doing this, eventually you lose the ability to do that. And then how bad is the pain and suffering when the next one goes wrong and there's nothing we can do? It's so much worse. So, yeah, it's not immediate, but it's worse and it's going to take longer but it's still a problem. And to pretend like it's not a problem is craziness. And instead, all everybody's going to do is blame the other political party. And it's the spending by this party and the, the wars by that party. And in reality, it's because we have allowed this two-headed monster to just kick the football back and forth and then do nothing. Literally, do nothing except spend more money. They have, we have the military that buys equipment it doesn't want. And they have to buy it because it comes from some factory in some state where the senator doesn't want to lose jobs and lose an election. So they just keep making products that there's no demand for and selling them to the military. This happens. It's very publicly available information. This is our system that we have accepted. Yeah. I mean, you know who else likes stimmy checks, right? Who? Stonks. <laughs> Stonks love the stimmy checks. So we had GameStop. Again, uh, touched on this a little bit at the opening here, but uh, GameStop got above... Uh, it's closing highs. I mean, I think at one point in their inner day, it was like 500 something or close to that. Um, but it closed or got above, it traded above uh, 347, I think it was maybe a few days ago. Uh, I see right now it's back down to about 245, but not going away here that the, the GameStop folks uh, still uh, holding those diamond hands, uh, holding the that. line. I mean, I'm curious when the stimulus money comes out to see what's going to happen with yeah, GameStop that's what I'm and with AMC. Um, I, and should be in bank accounts this weekend, I'm told. I, that's what I'm hearing, too. And I'm going to I'm just watching like I don't know. I get people ask me about the stock all the time. And I say, listen, it's gambling. They're, like there's this is not investing at this point. You're gambling. So just understand if you're gambling, you can lose everything. It is highly entertaining gambling. It's hilarious. It's fun. As long, listen, and don't put money in. You can't afford to lose. That's my big like everybody's talking about how all these unsophisticated retail investors are going to get taken to the cleaners like, OK, if they choose to do this, yes, that can happen. As long as the playing field is level and everything's on the up and up and they lose the money, hey, part of doing business, sorry. But some of this does look like the game is being a little bit rigged. And if that happens and you put these people out, then, yeah, that's not okay. It's obviously different. But if G, if GameStop is really only worth $4 a share and somebody buys it at $250 a share, that's on them. Not and it's not the government's job to step in and protect them from themselves. These guys know what they're doing, sort of, and they just don't care. Like yeah. I, if you join the Reddit subgroup of Wall Street bets, you will find some of the most entertaining things said imaginable. And as somebody who does like who deals with finance for a living, watching people say stuff like "My grandchildren will inherit this stock even if it's worth three dollars a share," <laughs> I'm never selling. Like, what are you? This is so backwards from what we always think about with investing. We're like Jim Cramer and all the other guys. Uh, they want to just come out and be like, well, here's how you make money. And a lot of these guys, not all of them and probably not even most of them, but a lot of these guys are just like, no, nah, I don't care. It's just fun. Yeah. And I have no use for the money. I'm like I, said, I think you're right. And they like, I think they understand the risk. They just don't care. Like they, it's not, it's yes. not that they're oblivious to the risk. They get it. They don't care. They understand the risk. They're willing to assume it at, at, at any cost, which is right. great. And they've they've made a uh, which so, makes it hard to plan against, right? When when <laughs> when you don't when you can't judge your enemy and just and you don't know and you're and you're just like okay, these guys are just off the rockers. I don't know what to expect next. Um, that that can win a fight. So here they are at two two fifty still. You I know, mean, remember that stock was three dollars a year yeah, ago. So it's it's wild. It's crazy, and it's. Yeah, some people are going to win and some people are going to lose. That is going to happen. That's part of the nature of the game. It's still entertaining to watch this because this is like a grassroots movement of people that have basically collectively given the middle finger to all of Wall Street establishment. And Wall Street sitting there like, for your own good, you shouldn't do this because you won't make money. And they're standing there like, yeah, you still don't get it. We don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I'm diamond handsing to the moon. I won't sell for less than 5000 I don't care if it takes 80 years. That's not somebody you can negotiate right, with. Yeah. That's the yes. same reason that you don't negotiate with terrorists or children because you have you are going against a party that is not interested in its own self-interest and cannot or will not contemplate the consequences of their actions and, and behave in a way that is in their own self-interest. They, they have other means. They have other needs. So yeah. trying to act as if this is the same as everything else, it's not. And most of these guys 
Yeah, no, they get the risk. They just don't care. And it's hilarious. And yes, some of them are going to lose a ton of money. They don't care. Who am I to tell them they have no, to? No, me neither. Good for you. Yeah, have at it. I love it. Yeah, you just want to go take on hedge funds and try to bankrupt them, and you're willing to lose all your money in the process? Whatever. I'm not living that life, but good for you. Yeah. All right. So, you know what else is hilarious? What's that? Somebody spent $69 million on a JPEG. What's a JPEG? <laughs> it's just a digital <laughs> image. It's just an image on the computer. You can't, I mean, you could print it, I guess. 69, like... Million, million real dollars real dollars for a digital image so let's speaking of wise investments yeah so let's talk about uh a, a thing that's been around for a little while but it's really gaining popularity here in the last few months and we're going to try to uh, touch on it a little bit here i'm going to try to effort a guest uh, about this as well so um non-fungible tokens mr Hughesong, nfts i remember sending you a text uh, uh earlier in the week and ask if you knew anything about these I asked a couple of people if they knew anything about them. Pretty much to a person, nobody knew anything about them. Nope, not a clue. So these are tokenized assets. Um, the reason I became familiar with it first um, was a product being offered by the NBA, the National Basketball Association, called NBA Top Shots. They're basically selling basketball cards, but instead of the traditional cardboard card you would get in a pack, these are packs of video clips. So you buy a pack of video clips, and as you open the pack, you get, I don't know, a LeBron James, a uh, John Morant, a whatever card of a video, and you get to, now you own this video clip. <clears throat> and the reason you own it, or how you can own it, is that it is uh, tokenized on a blockchain. So there's uh, limited numbers of these, uh, and some of these cards can be one, some of these cards can be 50, 49, 299, whatever they are, they can be limited. Um and therefore making them rare. Um, this same video clip, any, me and you could watch this video clip. If we went to NBA Top Shots right now, we could watch it just like anybody else could watch it. And yet this guy owns it. Um, I don't know, but it, one of the NBA cards, video cards, sold for $208,000. Which one? LeBron James. Ah, uh, I mean. He's pretty good. No, I mean, he's good, but I mean. It's a video clip. As like I said, everybody, you can, me and you could go watch the clip right now. Like we it's on YouTube. It. It's, it's there, but we don't own it. So, so I guess, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, I was going to say similar to the, we talked about this before we went on the air is, okay, well, somebody could own the Mona Lisa, right? And then you could have a bunch of replications of the Mona Lisa that you could hang on your wall. And like, oh, I got the Mona Lisa on my wall, but where there's really only one Mona Lisa. And this tokenization allows there to be digital art and allow there to be ownership of the art even though copies could be made. Yeah. So I, something is worth what somebody will pay for it. It's that simple. If somebody thinks this is worthwhile and this is an investment, and the reality is, why is the Mona Lisa worth millions of dollars? Because somebody decided it is. That's it. There's no other reason. It's not like we have, with all the technology we have today, we can do it. The, the same time, the reason that, like, art, at least I sort of understand, I don't get this of, all right, I own a video clip that was aired live on different channels and, and everything else and that I can watch at any time, and it's not the skill of the artist that's going into it. I, I, does that make sense? Well, so some of these digital artists are... Some, uh, yeah, the sports you know I mean? so one. Those, sorry, so sorry, there are some people who do digital artwork, and that was, I mean, I, mean, I don't know if this was, this wasn't obviously invented for digital artwork by any means, I don't think, but this allowed people who had only done digital artwork, who had never done a canvas yeah. or done something, allowed them to show specific ownership to somebody who wanted to say they owned the original. Again, you know, there's a copy on the computer. You could make it your background if you want to and probably for free. And instead of spending, you know, $208,000 on a video or whatever it is on a, on a, on a, uh, uh, digitized, uh, art. I, I mean, this is so, it's, it's so weirdly crazy new that I, I don't think this is going to be the end of it though. I think this is going to be just the beginning. I I've heard the NFL. Um, I think some soccer, uh, uh are globally are doing this already. So the card, the collectibles market is definitely going to do it. The digital artwork market is definitely going to do it. We talked briefly here before we went on the air about some of the financial benefits or uses for this uh, going forward um, with decentralized finance. So that's kind of gaining a lot of traction as well. Um, 
I don't know. I think it's a future technology. It's a technology that's here now, but I don't. I don't think we really fully understand where it's going to go in the future. Oh, I definitely don't. And, and I guess here's my thing. I don't understand why anybody would pay an obscene amount of money for a sports card, a piece of art, a digital clip, uh, or anything. It just it's not what I'm into. It's not my thing. But I don't have to understand it. I don't have to agree with it for it to have real value. It's nothing I had. I don't. Know. I don't so I, I don't buy and sell baseball cards. I, I have a bunch from when I was a kid, but it's not a hobby. It's not something I understand. It's not something that I would ever engage with as a form of currency of like, okay, this is worth X amount of dollars and I could trade it or whatever else. It's just not what I'm into. doesn't mean it's not real. It is real. I guess every now and then I get a reminder from some news story or, or some, um, some trend taking place. I, like our country probably has it too good. The fact that we have people willing to spend $200,000 on a video. Like a three-second video clip. Right. Like, I, I, I just think about being in, like, a third-world country and hearing this and being like, what? I, like, I, I, I mean, they probably don't know who LeBron James is. Like, think about, like, how great our society is that this is a thing. Like, this is not. And it's not like it's some, um, I don't even know what to say on it. It just is weird to me of, like, that this is even a thing. Like, how bored are you that this became real? And again, I, I sound like I'm belittling it or deriding it. I don't mean to like good for you. If this is something you're into and you same with art, same with sports, memorabilia, everything else. If this is what you're into, God bless you. Have at it. If this is what you find enjoyable and you believe that this has that level of value. Wonderful. If it turns out you're wrong, you're out $200,000 and I'm not going to feel bad for you. If you turn around and sell it in 10 years for 10 million, I'm happy for you. Good. I'm not going to be the one to buy it, but they're good. And I do think as we, as the technology continues to evolve, you get down the road into more of the applications for a decentralized finance. Um, the applications are really uh, sort of overwhelming to think about of, of where you could go with this. Obviously, there's a lot of bugs that would have to get worked out. There's a lot of problems that you'd have to foresee and solve. What's well, the security, I think, is the, the allure, right? It's the blockchain security yeah. that you know that you're going to be able to... <clears throat> maintain a safe and secure transaction with a one-on-one without using an, a financial institution. And I think that's where the benefit is from some of this is it allows for peer-to-peer loans, um, you know, from these NFTs, from, from these uh, digital assets. Again, I, I don't, I don't have no idea where this thing is going, but I expect that um, we, we, we don't even know, like, we're, we're, I'm sure some people out there know, but right now I don't think it's, uh, uh, we have any clue where, where the technology could take us. It, it's literally anywhere, but it's kind of like piggybacking on this whole, uh, you know, blockchain, crypto, uh, mainstream uh, awareness uh, emergence. And this is kind of, you know, just riding the coattails of that. It's, it's, it's part of it. Um, and this decentralized finance is definitely something that I think is going to be part of the financial futures here for at least for, for a while. I mean, you know, as long as people are still comfortable doing internet transactions and whatnot, as long as we uh, avoid a solar flare, you know, cause who knows, you know, the sun could spit at us and all of a sudden this whole thing is, you know, LeBron James's video is non-existent. So it's not worth anything at that point. And so. again, if that happens, I'm not going to feel bad for the guy <laughs> to spend $200,000 right. on a video clip. He assumed like, the risk of the solar right, flare. This is the risk that you could end up getting nothing for this. The same way the first person, that, like there's people that buy artwork with the expectation that it's going to go up and it doesn't. Okay. Sorry. That's part of the, like that is yeah. the risk reward right. system. Don't ask me to bail you out if this ends up going broke. Yeah. If that dead artist reemerges, you know, like, hey, I'm not dead. That's gonna really, that's gonna really, really dampen the uh, the value. Of I mean, the piece. Jeffrey Epstein was a pretty big art guy. Let's not go there. Sorry, his art was disturbing. I mean, beyond, but yeah, yeah, it was probably the least disturbing part of who he was as a person, but still disturbing. Yeah. So yes, but I, I get what you're saying though. Of it, again, this is the central theme of of looking at this and trying to understand it is a thing has value if somebody else is willing to pay for it. It's that simple. It is the perceived value of the other person. It does not have to make sense to you why somebody would spend their money on it. It doesn't matter. And, ju- and just like anything, you know, the hype around these NBA Top Shot cars is so high right now, they can't even keep up with the demand, right? So that is some of the problem is that there is such a demand that the prices are distorted because so many people are trying to buy the same thing. And obviously that's, you know, economics 101. So um, maybe that will temper a little bit as they kind of roll out more and more and become... 
you know, maybe other sports obviously roll out stuff. So the uh, NFT dollar is there diffused a little bit, uh, spread out over a bunch of different uh, asset markets that's not necessarily just isolated into the NBA top shots right now or digital art or whatnot. So maybe that thins out some of the the buying power, but I don't think NFTs as a as a technology, as a way to secure ownership is going away. So this this is something that I just kind of want to pay attention. I am going to look for a guest for this. Yeah, if anybody out there knows somebody that's more knowledgeable, which is not a very high bar, admittedly, on the NFTs, please yeah, send, send us send, send send stuff. Yeah, you leave the comments, uh, post on the Facebook post or Twitter, right, wherever you can find us. Uh, leave us a note on somebody who might be able to help us uh, delve deeper into the uh, non-fungible tokens. Mr. Hughesong, I think we're coming up on an hour here. Is there uh, anything that you want to... Uh, leave the folks with here before we uh, uh, part for another week. Everybody have a wonderful St. Patrick's Day. Be safe, be smart, have fun. And just remember, St. Patrick is a saint because he rid an island of snakes that has never had snakes on it. I mean, listen, it's a good gig if you can get it. I don't understand why he's a saint necessarily, but we can get into that another day. But I, I, I was a little tripped up when I first read that of like, there is absolutely no archaeological or anthropological evidence that snakes have ever been on the island of Ireland. Maybe so, it was St. Patrick's grandpa. <laughs> he got rid of the snakes. <laughs> I don't before know. St. Patrick got there. I don't know how that meets the ever credit. criteria. But credit. yes, but anyways, enjoy the day. It should be a lot of fun. Please support your local businesses. If you're going to go out and imbibe, uh, just, you know, obviously be safe, be smart, and have a good time. Yeah, and have a Reuben. Ah, come on. That's a given, right? Uh, obviously, yes. Yeah. All right. All right, folks. Or corned beef and cabbage. Yeah. All right. Just, just play. Lunch, Everybody's Irish in March, so play along. It's fun. So even with the cabbage. Um, Still delicious. All right, folks. Uh, we'll see you next Monday. Uh, thank you for tuning in for another episode of uh, Sports Clicks and Politics, and uh, we will see you all in a week.